You might have heard that there was recently a new social media platform that reached 100 million users in just the first few days. Wow. I don't think it's just because that many people want to try the newest thing. Though it might be for some. I think that all of us need connection with others. We are created that way. Yet maybe even you sometimes, with all the things around us, still feel all alone. The message you're about to hear will challenge us to think more deeply about what it means to be connected with Jesus and how that can change us. Her name is Marcy. She was the perfect person this seven-year-old needed to meet when moving into a new neighborhood. She had red hair and lots of freckles. She was well-connected. I mean, she knew everybody. And she offered to me a kind welcome, which is made for a long-lasting friendship. That summer of second grade, Marcy and I became the best of buds. And now she's my oldest, longest-lasting friend. We did everything together in those days. We were what you might say, tomboys, and we did our best to keep up with the guys in the neighborhood, playing kickball and softball. Personally, I wasn't too fond of that game, Takaloko, but I do think we tried it at least one time. Marcy and I lived across the street from each other and often spent weekend nights together. And when we couldn't do that, we tried to stay connected, tried to communicate with each other. The way my parents remembered it, it was with nauseating regularity. One time we even tried the string and Dixie cup, you know, method to reach our houses, but that didn't work very well. And then one of my brothers got a walkie talkie set as a prize for having so many customers on his paper route. Well, Marcy and I got to borrow those fine communication gadgets after we helped said brother with his paper out. Typical big brother. The walkie-talkies were cool, but it didn't last very long. I think they broke pretty soon, and I'm sure it wasn't our fault. At, at least I don't think it was. But later, a few years later, when my oldest brother came home one summer for a visit, he had a pager, a pager or beeper. Wow, do you remember those? <laughs> now that was an amazing technological advancement. Oh my, Marcy and I, we wanted one, probably much like kids today, big and small kids, wanting the latest iPhone. I mean, the pager, well, frankly, it didn't do very much compared to devices today. It simply left the phone number of the person who was trying to get a hold of you. So why, why did we want one so badly? Because it could help us stay connected, connected to each other, connected to our other friends, so that we would know whom to call back when we got home or got to a payphone. Having a pager or beeper was a way to stay connected with friends, with family, and with whomever we might desire to get a hold of. We have come a long way on that front, haven't we? Today, today we are more connected than ever before. There's more connectivity in our little phones than we ever imagined possible. Every hour of the day, we can connect to local, national, international events simply by touching a button. 
We have live coverage at our fingertips. We know when a bomb explodes on the West Bank or a celebrity gives birth to twins in LA, we can watch videos on just about any subject around the clock. And we can watch them for as long as we want, as long as our devices are charged. I mean, with more social media networks now and all of our digital devices always with us, we should feel better connected than ever before. Yet, if we're honest, we have to admit that sometimes, sometimes we feel alone. We feel disconnected, disconnected from friends and family, from our community, and from God. So why do you think this is so? Hmm? For me, I don't think it's really the fault of the computers or cell phones so much as it is with how we use that technology. I mean, there's so much available to us all the time, so many options pulling for our attention. And we, we try to keep up with as many bits of news as we possibly can. It seems we make too many things our priorities and, and we lose sight of what is really important. Or as one colleague said, it's like we build our identity on how much we can accomplish, how busy our kids are and how well our name is known. My mother used to call that keeping up with the Joneses, but it seems to me that our whole culture suffers from it. And we don't take the time to pause, to push reset or refresh often enough so that we, that we can be nourished and filled up again. In a world of super connection, we feel disconnected, especially from God. Connection or connectivity it's a lot of what is going on in this passage that we just read from the Gospel of John. For the past few weeks, we've been looking at the I am statements made by Jesus in John's Gospel. And today's statement is a little different from all of the rest. The text that we read is in what is known as the farewell discourse or the last supper discourse. It's a couple of chapters in length in which Jesus is talking about what is to come, namely that he would no longer be with them, or at least not much longer. And he's trying to prepare them for the ordeal that is coming. And so these are the words of hope that he hopes they will remember later on as they struggle to comprehend this horrible news that he has died. The discourse begins back in chapter 13 when Jesus washed the disciples' feet and taught them about being a servant. I imagine after that intimate act, they all felt very close to Jesus, very much connected to him. And then in chapter 14, which Bernie Leaving preached on last week, Jesus proclaimed that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and that he was leaving and going back to the Father but that he would not leave them as orphans. He would give them peace and he would send a companion, the Holy Spirit, who would enable them to remember and understand all that was unclear before. And now, now in chapter 15, 
Jesus is trying to think of a way to explain how it is that they can stay connected after he's gone. And he says, abide in me and I will abide in you. Or stay connected to me and I will stay connected to you. Perhaps he's imagining that after he's gone, the disciples are going to be pulled in so many different directions and get disconnected from each other and from him. And so he uses the image of a vine and he says, I am the true vine and my father, the vine grower. Well, that expression would have been very familiar and deeply meaningful to his audience because in Jewish tradition, the vine was a picture of Israel and God brought a vine out of Egypt and planted it in the promised land. So Jesus is saying that he is the true vine. He is the true Israel. He is the one on whom God's purposes are now resting. So the picture of the vine, it is not just a smart and witty illustration from gardening. Rather, it is a statement about who Jesus and his people really are and about what is now going to happen to them as a result. In truth, his words may seem, I don't know, a little out of place if it wasn't that we were reminded of the context of his impending death. I mean, they have been together just about every day for three years. And so if they had a question, they would simply ask Jesus. But now he knows what's ahead and he's trying to prepare them, trying to lovingly explain to his friends that their relationship is going to be different from now on. It's gonna to have to change and it will grow. In effect, he's letting them know that they can remain connected to him as connected as a vine is to the branch. But the relationship, it's gonna look different. And there is a painful end to life as they knew it, but then there's new life new growth yet to come. So let's talk about this vine. Have you ever done much gardening? Have you ever grown gourds or grapes on a vine? You'll notice that for grapevines, the branches come off of the main vine. The branches are fed by the vine. The vital nutrients they flow from the vine to the branches and then they produce grapes. The vines need to focus their energy on producing good quality grapes. But it's true that not all the branches produce fruit. Some of those little suckers steal or waste the vine's nutrients and those are the ones that need to be plucked off or pruned. The shoots and tendrils that are robbing the vine of its energy, they need to be removed. And sometimes, sometimes pruning is done so even better and more abundant fruit can be enjoyed. Today, today I would like you to ponder something with me. In our super connected, 24-7 busy world where there are so many shoots and tendrils, so many activities and distractions 
that we can connect to. So many things, many of which are important and meaningful, but they steal our time and they sap our energy and they can even diminish our ability to truly connect with God and one another. And just like plants, we have some things in our lives that, well, we need God to help us prune away. So what is it that needs to be pruned or plucked in your life? What is keeping you from becoming that full-bodied, amazing fruit of the vine or that fully beautiful human being that God has called you to be? Now, I will admit this is not the fun part. The painful truths about ourselves that we need to explore, but we need to explore them. So today, ask yourself, what do you need God to help you pinch off? What are some habits and behaviors that you have somehow accumulated over time, behaviors that sap your energy and diffuse your focus? Are there some dead branches out there? Dead branches like regrets or living in the past? Resentments or bitterness that, well, that need to be lopped off. I mean, truly, we humans, we can quickly get ourselves into some terrible messes, much like unattended tangled vines. And this can happen with our jobs or with some of our relationships that are not life-giving. Things that we've gotten ourselves into that are not good for us at all. And when we find ourselves in these places, I want to remind you that there are all kinds of resources that can help us prune, like doctors and counselors, or maybe a support group, a small group, or your prayer group, or your pastors and staff here at the church. And God, God can reclaim us and redirect us toward the beautiful life to which we have been created. So please never hesitate to ask for help. Indeed, God longs for us, for you and me, for all of us to be thriving and fruitful and whole. So once we've been pruned, once we let go of the dead branches, how is it that we abide? How do we abide? How do we connect to the vine and stay connected to Jesus? Well, first I want to say that this does not happen all at once. Our souls grow over a lifetime, and to grow deep and to grow closer to God simply takes time. One pastor, Patricia Ferris, reminded me that to grow spiritually, John Wesley admonished the people called Methodist to pray, to study scripture, to worship regularly, to participate in the sacraments, and to serve the poor, feed the hungry, and give generously to the needs of others. In these ways, we develop perseverance over time, staying closely connected to Christ, the vine, and reaching out in life-sustaining community to all, to all of the branches. And that leads me to just one more thing I want to mention about how it is that we abide. How do we stay connected to the vine? Well, friends, we do not, we do not do it by ourselves. We do it in community. 
we do it with others, with one another. There is no such thing as a solitary Christian. We are made for connection, made for community. I think it was N.T. Wright who said, our connection to Christ changes us and our relationships with one another in ways that we cannot always anticipate or explain. When we're connected to the vine, we're connected alongside all those other branches. Whatever relationship we may have had with those branches before our relationship with them, now is our mutual connection to the vine and through the vine to one another. Jesus's statement, I am the vine and you are the branches, points to the deep and abiding connection among all of Jesus's followers. Friends, I think your beeper is going off. Do you hear it? There's a message reminding you and me that following Jesus, staying connected to the vine is a personal relationship of love and loyalty to the one who's loved us more than we could ever imagine. And the test of that love and loyalty is revealed in the simple, profound, and life-giving fruits that we bear, shown in the ways we love one another. So may we, individually and together, seek to abide in Christ. For Jesus, Jesus is as close to you as a vine is to a branch. Will you pray with me? Oh, Jesus, thank you for describing yourself in so many beautiful I am statements, thoughtfully detailed throughout John's gospel. Today, we ask that you teach us how to stay close to you and how to love one another with that passion, which comes from your overwhelming, overflowing heart. For you are the vine grower. May those around us recognize us as sisters and brothers bound together by your love and not divided by our fear. Yes, teach us to serve and include one another as companions and friends on the journey of faith. Amen. Thank you for watching this message today. I hope that it has inspired you to be more connected in Christian community, and maybe all of us can spend a little less time on our devices. Uh, maybe the message has helped you find ways to stay better connected to Jesus by letting go of those things that get in the way in your own life. If you want to have a deeper conversation about this, there are reflection questions in the notes below. And if you want to find out about connecting more with us here at Hyde Park, reach out to someone through our Next Steps page. You can even learn more about our staff under the New Here tab on our website. We hope to see you again next week. Have a great day.